0: At newspress.com.
1: I'm Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage industry. It's time to pay attention. Come on, people. Think about it. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Mortgage industry is not rocket science. Your guide to the information you can use to choose the best answers to your real estate financing questions. If that loan agent tells you that, get up and run away. Now, here's your host on
2: State Newslay, your guy in the mortgage industry, Guy Rivera.
3: Well, good afternoon and welcome to Mortgage Money Matters. Oh, wait. Is this not the voice you're used to hearing on this show? That's right. This is Ruth Ann Bovey with Village Properties, and I'm sitting in for Guy Rivera with Guarantee Mortgage, Santa Barbara. His NMLS number is 57662, and his BRE number is 01220403. You can reach him at 805-687-6282, and he's a division of American Pacific Mortgage, whose NMLS number is 1850 and BRE number is 01215943. And in case you want mine, my BRE number is 01751940. So I'm excited to be here, excited to be covering the show. Thank you so much, Richard, as always, for helping out with this. Uh, I have a guest coming. I learned that from Guy. It's always good to have a guest. Guy likes to be a guest at my Santa Barbara City College class, the guest guest professor, professor for the day. Um, But I have a guest coming for the second half of the show, one of the best land use planners in Santa Barbara. Uh, Jarrett Gordon with Vanguard Planning will be joining us to discuss what he's seeing in the planning areas. I'm really interested to hear about that. I hear things here and there, um, but he's going to be here to to give us the real scoop. And until then, since this is a mortgage show, I thought I would give you the mortgage perspective from a real estate broker's point of view. Now, I do a lot of first-time home buyer consultations. I mentor 10 agents, and that's one of the first things I teach them is how to give a buyer's consultation. Now, many of these people had never thought that they could buy a home here. I mean, it's expensive here, right? But in many cases, we were able to help them do it. And here's the basics on how to figure out if you can buy. The The key thing is, so Guy makes fun of me because I talk about a pie. I don't care if he makes fun of me. Um... Think of your total gross income, not your net income, but your total gross income before taxes as a big, beautiful apple pie. You get to use this pie to buy your home. You get to trade the pie for your home. However, you have to consider other things that you also have to use the pie to pay for. Things like you and your spouse need to eat a piece of the pie. And if you have kids, you can't cut them out. They need a slice too, right? And you have a few other expenses, actually probably a lot of other expenses. So the mortgage company looks at your delicious hot apple pie, and they cut a big slice out of it for those necessities. That big slice is about 55% of the pie. Your kids really like apple pie. So that leaves you with about 45% of your pie. And I know we all like to spend money, right? I know I like to spend money. So there's some credit card debt, car payments, maybe student loans. Whatever the minimum monthly payment is on those debts is each slice of your pie. That's why it's important to keep those numbers down As much as possible when you're considering buying a home. Whatever is left of your pie is what the bank looks at, very lustfully I might add, because they really want to loan the money to you to buy that house. That's how they stay in business. Let's say that the rest of your pie is worth about $4,000. I told you it was a delicious hot apple pie, right? $4,000. So what does $4,000 per month do for you? That is approximately $700,000 in mortgage. Now keep in mind, these are rough, rough estimates as I am not a mortgage person, but it gives you a basic idea. And at $700,000, you can buy a home at much less than that you can buy a home. Perhaps it isn't the home of your dreams, but it it could be a great start. I had these clients several years ago, and I might have talked about them a little bit before I know Guy helped me with the loan for their, their second home. But the first one that they got was just a simple condo. Simple condo, two stories, it was three bedrooms, two bathrooms, and it fit perfect in their budget just the two of them, right? They ended up having two babies within a matter of years. And those two babies, the, the townhouse being two levels, just wasn't really set up to it, to, to have kids around. <coughs> they worked things out, were able to get their condo sold and got them into a house. Now the house needed some work They've cleaned it up beautifully. It shows really well now. And the the mortgage ended up being about the same as it was when they had the condo because they gained equity. They bought this condo and they got equity in the condo, not just from paying the mortgage, but also because of appreciation. So their happiest pigs in Sure, I'm not going to say what I was going to say, but they're happy campers. And their two little girls are running around in that backyard just having a heyday. So here's the key about mortgages. And I know Guy talks about this a little bit. I like to talk about it more. The key is using a local lender. And why, you might ask? Well, you might think that you'll get a better rate online, but keep in mind you get what you pay for, right? Almost any time you buy something because it's a good price, it ends up not being a good quality or it doesn't work out right or something's off with it. So you get what you're paying for. So if you have a mortgage person that is offering you a little bit of an interest rate that is better, look at it over the long haul. It may not be a better interest rate in in the long term. So buying is stressful. And when you're working with somebody online, there's not much contact with an actual person. If the loan goes haywire, it just adds more stress to your buying process and even possibly losing the house. Um. That's why you want to use somebody local. We're a small community. We all know each other. We know who is good, and who isn't consistently and who isn't consistently good is the key. Accountability and reputation are at stake here. We all know each other. So if you want to work with somebody, um, you want to work with somebody that we know is great. They're going to make the process seamless. They're going to make you... Enjoy the process, actually, if you can imagine that, and they're going to make it happen for you. So I do want to um, remind you that we're going to be taking a break in about one minute. I do want to remind you that we have Jarrett Gorin with Vanguard Planning coming in just uh, about 15 minutes or so. He'll be here. And until then, you just keep waiting and we will get back to you.
0: Mesa Produce is there for you when the street market isn't. The owner picks from local growers to supply the finest in all varieties of fruits and vegetables, selecting the best from each and bringing them fresh to you. Be sure to grab one of their many homemade delicious jams. Mesa Produce is located on Cliff Drive on the Mesa. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7
3: p.m. and Sunday, noon to six. Mesa Produce, bringing the farm to your table
2: Right back. I'm gonna get some milk and drop off the dry cleaning. It's almost midnight.
3: Dry cleaning. Now you know with One Hour Martinizing's Express Bag, I can use their 24-hour drop-off bin now and pick it up on my way home. So convenient. You know you can always count on One Hour Martinizing. I like that.
2: Yeah, all the conveniences you need. Environmentally safe, odorless, gentle cleaning process, and incredible job with our clothes and alterations every time.
3: One Hour Martinizing. We clean.
0: Auntie Renee, someone wrote wash me on your car. I know, that's why our first stop is Educated Car Wash. I guess I waited a little too long in between washes. My mom and dad go to the Educated Car Wash. Dad likes the low gas prices and mom says she feels better when her car's clean, cause my little sister always makes a big mess in it, but I never do. Very true, my dear. And when you add in fast friendly service, that makes Educated my favorite car wash. Mom says they're so fast, even my little sister doesn't have time to fuss, which she always does. But I never do. You are just too cute. Auntie Renee? Yes? After we go to your favorite car wash, will you take your favorite niece for some ice cream? How about gelato? Yeah.
1: 3735 State Street. Open seven days a week. When
0: you leave educated car wash looking shiny and bright, you'll start your day off right.
3: Welcome back. It's Ruth Ann Bovey with Village Properties, sitting in for Guy Rivera with Guarantee Mortgage Santa Barbara. I wanted to share a little story with you about a a good friend of mine who wanted to refinance his home. And no offense to engineers, he's an engineering type. They're very specific with numbers. I know when they go out for dinner to a bar, they tip exactly 15% to the quarter, and that's before tax. I'm stereotyping. I realize that. Anyway, this friend of mine decided he wanted to use an online service to do his refinance, and they sent an appraiser. That appraiser happened to be from out of the area. Again, a reason to stay local because the appraisal came in using really bad comps, really bad comparable properties. He lives in the downtown area, great location, kind of halfway between the bowl and, um, and State Street, great, great location. And they were using comps that were further out in, out east of Milpis and areas that just did not make sense to use. If, if you're familiar with Santa Barbara, you know that you can go from one street to the next, and it's completely a different neighborhood. That's just how it works. So his, his comps came in, and of course his value was down really low, substantially less than we both agreed that it should be. I had given him a comparative market analysis before he did this refinance, And he, um, so he wanted to go back and and try to get this fixed. He had trouble reaching someone to discuss it. It was online. He couldn't get anybody physically that was familiar with his situation. And by the time he got it straightened out with my help, of course, interest rates had gone up. And at that point, it didn't make sense to refinance. So, that's another reason to use a local lender now not just using a local lender i have a story about a local lender that we did use that i'm not gonna say his or her name but i was told that my clients were fully 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 approved you don't even know you don't even need to have a loan contingency have the appraisal contingency because once we find the property and the appraisal is approved. It's a done deal. Thank God I didn't listen to this lender that I was not familiar with at the time, and I included the loan contingency. Time for the loan contingency to come due, and I can't reach him, and he's local, and he's avoiding me, and the buyer can't reach him, and none of us know what's going on. Contingency come, times comes to, and expires. We had to get an extension, I was finally able to reach him 4 days later and he informed me that the loan had not been approved and he informed me that his legal department had told me told him that he could only tell me that his loan had not been approved which is extremely confusing to me if they were fully 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 approved and the person was still working at the same job In the same capacity, had no changes, absolutely no changes that he was aware of. Why was it that he was no longer approved? He wouldn't tell us. He wouldn't even tell the buyer, which is extremely questionable. What it comes down to is not only do you need to use a local lender, but you need to use somebody that is well known for being a good local lender. And not to tout Guy too much, he knows he's a great lender. But I refer a lot of business to him. There are four or five lenders in town that I refer business to. But Guy's one of those that will get them pre-approved completely. And I trust that I could go in without a loan contingency. I still don't do that. I just tell them in my cover letter that we could do this. But as a safety measure protecting my clients, I always want to include a cover, a uh, loan contingency. So the real moral of the story is listen to your realtor. If you know, like, and trust your realtor, they're going to steer you in the direction that is always in your best interest. They'll steer you to the people that will make things happen for you, the proven professionals in town, whether it is mortgage lenders or contractors. home inspectors, or mold remediation companies. We have access to all of those people. So just know that if you've got a good lender, they're going to help you to reach your goals. Now, Mortgage Money Matters is every Tuesday at 2 o'clock, and it's rebroadcasted Tuesdays at 10 p.m. and Sundays at 12 p.m. I'm sorry, at 12 noon. Not 12 p.m., 12 noon. So don't try to listen to it at Oh, it is PM. That's right. 12 AM. Thanks, Richard. So what else do I have for you? I um, I tried to get rates from Guy's site and, and you have to put in a bunch of information and I didn't want to do that. And I don't think he quotes rates on the air, does he? Not generally. He just talks about things. But let me think about what else is there to talk about. We've been working with a lot of buyers. Oh, I have some inventory numbers for you. These are not the official inventory numbers. These are the numbers that uh, I just pulled from our multiple listing system. They'll come out officially in a few days. But it's interesting to look. I, I pulled them in a variety of ways just to give you an idea of where the market is. So right now, we have 497 active homes and PUDs. That does not count condos and townhouses or manufactured homes. 497 active houses and PUDs. Active and pending, there's 562. In the last month, we we closed 115 transactions, which leaves us with about 4.3 months of inventory. Now, that's a little lower than it's been the last time I was here with you, which is surprising. So I, I took out, we're seeing inventory come on the market. We're seeing it come on the market pretty rapidly, but we're also seeing houses selling. So as as houses come on the market and houses sell, it depletes the inventory. So I went back and I decided, let's see what the inventory is like without Hope Ranch and Montecito, which is the higher end. And without Hope Ranch and Montecito, we're looking at 304 active listings, 93 closed escrows, and that brings it down to 3.26 months of inventory. So when we're looking at Carpinteria, Summerlin, Santa Barbara, Goleta, inventory is tighter there. It's still very much a seller's market. So then I went based on just those areas and looked at under $1 million. At under $1 million, there are 165 active listings. There are only 63 that are closed that closed. And that brings it down to 2.61 months of inventory. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that the lower end market is not afford. I mean, there's just not much out there. When we talk about the affordability index, the higher the affordability index, that means more people can afford to buy. And they still can if you work it strategically. The first step really is getting that pre-approval letter. You've got to make sure that you know what area. I have clients that call me and say, okay, can you send me some properties to look at? Well, what kind of properties? I I can give you access, but if you can't afford a $2 million house, you don't want to tease yourself with a $2 million house. You want to focus on the homes that you actually can't afford to buy. Doesn't that make sense? So if you get pre-approved, or at least give me some basic information that I need, then I can give you an idea of what you can qualify for. But you also want to get that pre-approval letter because you won't be able to write an offer on a house unless you have that pre-approval letter. In this town, without being able to prove that you can afford to buy a house, most sellers won't even consider your offer. And if it's one of those situations where there's multiple offers, you're going to miss out. And that's what we don't want to happen. We don't want you to lose your dream home. We want to get you into that dream home, right? So with that, Richard is telling me it's time to take another little break. And I saw Jarrett Gorin has walked into the building. In the interim, I would like to Thank the sponsor of this show, American Riviera Bank. Thank you so much, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, I'm Annette Jorgensen from American Riviera Bank. As a preferred SBA lender, small business lending is alive and well at American Riviera Bank. With local decisions, fast responses, and an understanding of the local commercial and residential real estate markets, we offer you free consulting services as you work to grow your small business. If you need a loan, bank on us. Call me and schedule your free business consultation today, 805-979-3846. Business is great in Santa Barbara, and Santa Barbara is great for business. Steve Cushman, Robbie lawyer Ortega, and Earl Armstrong with the CEO Report. Santa Barbara's longest-running, locally-produced radio program. Wednesday morning at 11 a.m., we rebroadcast the show at 9 p.m., and on Saturday morning at 9 a.m. We're streaming live on newspress.com. Your weekly business radio magazine on KZSB AM 1290.
0: This is the place that talks about Santa
3: Barbara.
2: Baron Ron Heron in the AM 1290 News Center. Ben Hayes in the AM 1290 News Center. Don Kadich. Johnny Risden. I'm Joe Danley. Tom Totten. Chuck McPartland. Jerry Wilson. Ernestine Ignacio Soto. I'm Ed Giron. I'm Maria Long. I'm Mark Schneidman. Hello, I'm Diane Duva. My name's Andy Caldwell. I am Eric Asolu. And I'm Scott Johnson. And I'm Ross Cope. I'm Mike Williams. I'm Ted Adams. I'm Guy Rivera.
3: I'm Michael Self.
2: I'm Steve Forcell. I'm Jim Williams.
1: I'm Mark McIntyre. I'm Steve Cushman. I'm Eloy. I'm Ortega. I'm Rob Eganoff. I'm Earl Armstrong.
2: I'm Neil Kreisel. I'm Arthur von Wiesenberger. I'm Martha Bull. I'm your host Jeremiah. I'm Jim Trotter. I'm Peter Olmos. I'm Elizabeth Stewart. Hi, I'm Chris Cullen. I'm Lisa Cullen,
0: and I'm Leanna Finley.
2: I'm John Henigan. I'm Ronaldo Brutico. I'm Mark Giles. Sean Martine. I'm Richard Dugan. KZSB AM 1290, the Santa Barbara News Press Radio Station.
3: This is Ruth Ann Bovey. Welcome back with Village Properties in Fort Guy Rivera with Guarantee Mortgage. And I am fortunate to have in the studio with me Jarrett Gorin with Vanguard Planning. Jarrett, Hi. say hello and tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Hi. Uh, well, my name is Jarrett Gorin. I, I own Vanguard Planning. We're a consulting firm here in the city of Santa Barbara. We do work in the city and the county and nearby cities and counties, and other cities in California even, but mostly around here in the city of Santa Barbara and the county of Santa Barbara. And we help people permit projects. Um, we specialize in really difficult projects a lot of times, projects where the uh, the um, county or cities being – extra challenging or, you know, saying things that are inconsistent with what their rules are on the books, that kind of stuff. So um, we're happy to get involved in the, we, we call them the thorny projects.
3: And I know those are the ones that you particularly like. I've seen you on TV fighting with city council and you're fair. I, I see that you're fair, but I got to tell you folks, he is really good, really good at, <laughs> at, at fighting for people, which I think is awesome. And he uses common sense, common sense logic. So, so the reason I brought you in, Jarrett, was I wanted to talk about what you're seeing going on. I know we've talked, um, Guy, and I have talked a little bit about uh, the the um, initiative to get the zoning reports off the off the table. We've talked about ADUs a bit. I'd like to talk to those uh, to you about those again, and then just some of the other things that you're seeing coming up right now. So, uh, where should we start? Let's let's start with the
1: uh, zoning information reports. And we have a few months back, we started with the Homeowners Fairness Initiative. Um, we did some polling before we started with that. What that is, it's it's a it's a voter initiative to basically repeal the requirements for zoning information reports in the city of Santa Barbara. So most people are familiar with what those are, but basically the the short answer is uh, if you're selling a house in the city of Santa Barbara, the city requires that you let them in to come in and do an inspection of it. Which is crazy. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things. I mean, it's sort of an unwarranted search. Um, It's sort of a constitutional violation. But aside from that, uh, it's also an equal protection violation, I think, because um, they don't require it for commercial properties. So while you as a residential owner are required to allow them to come search your house simply because you want to sell it, if I'm a commercial property seller... I don't have to require them, uh, allow them to come in and search my property.
3: So so what about if it's commercial residential investment property?
1: Well, that that would be considered residential right. by the city. Right. So they and do I
3: understand it. that. Their whole point with this is that they want to make sure that additional living space hasn't been created. And that's the whole concept.
1: Yeah, that's, that's how it was originally intended, and that's a worthwhile intent, right? You don't want people creating unsafe units where right. people could die.
3: And it was actually created more for the, the uh, Association of Realtors started it. With the city and ask them to do this so that buyers would know what was and was not permitted. But it was strictly an informational report.
1: Yeah, it's morphed. And it's then it morphed. transitioned. It has yeah. morphed beyond that and grown as government morphed programs into the do. Morphed So basically, um, it's, it expanded and it got to the point where basically it's just their opportunity to try to find anything
3: they can that they could cite you for. And it's crazy. They somebody added a like two foot closet. They yeah, were the, the, for the
1: worst part about it, I think, is that they issue this report and buyers, th- their big claim to why this report is so valuable is that it's a disclosure report for buyers, right? Well, the problem is that they'll issue a report that looks at things and and actually will specifically call something out. So it's not like oh the inspector didn't see it and just missed it. It's like they saw something. And they, they identify it in the report, and then they say that it's legal, and then somebody buys the property with that understanding. And then six years later, that person goes to sell that property. And the very same thing that was identified and determined legal in the report is now deemed a violation. And it, that's just not I, It's, it's not, not, fair, not fair, but the
3: worst part is, there, there is no, um, the, there, there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, you can fight it. But they're, they, they have no accountability.
1: Well, that's my favorite thing about a zoning information report is that very same document that the city uses to prosecute you as a criminal, right, you are not allowed to use one of their reports to defend yourself. So their burden is just: we say it's a violation. You now have a you are a violator, and you have to you know spend thousands of dollars fixing this. But if we point to a previous report and say, "Wait a minute! In this report here, you said this was legal," they'll say, "Well, read the fine print. It says we're not bound by anything we yeah, write." Yeah, we're this not report. responsible
3: if we screw up. And city to the people that work for the city, I, I I appreciate you guys. I actually do. I don't. I, I I know that you're just doing your job, and there's not enough of you to be able to do as much as the work that is put on your plate. But why not take this away and give it to outside agencies that do have some accountability? Well, and if I... the idea is to let buyers know what is what is allowed and or what is permitted and what isn't permitted. Why not? It could be done more affordably that way too, and take that pressure off the city.
1: I, I agree, and I also feel like if this, okay. it, it's it, right. it, I get that. it may be worse to have a report that you can't rely on than it would be to just have no report at all, right? I mean, if if you were buying a place and you just didn't have a piece of information, versus this official-looking report from the city that says everything's fine. I'd almost rather not have this report because then later, when everything is not fine, you know, I agree. Right? You you didn't. If well, I was, my wasn't... point
3: is, don't don't make it mandatory. Take it away from the city. If a buyer wants one, let them hire an outside company to to research somebody like you guys that, that do that kind well, of stuff. Well, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. And there's
1: other people that can do it too. But I, I think that we can do, you know, as thorough a job as the city does. We have access to the same things that they do. And we're definitely more accountable to the client.
3: Exactly. So I know that they now are allowing the drive-by zoning reports, which means they don't actually come inside your property. But it's still an invasion because they're using Google Earth and they're using whatever they can. You know, they're sitting there outside of your place looking to see if they can see when you open the garage door. Is there stuff in there? Is it changed? Or
1: or worse, they'll they'll assume something's there. Like I've, I've seen drive-by ZIRs. We just call them drive-bys. Right. Because the experience of it may be like a drive-by in the, the normal sense. Um, but they'll see a garage and they won't be able to go in it. But they'll just assume it's, it's inaccessible to parking. So let's forget about a new unit in there or something. Just having your garage inaccessible for parking is an enforceable violation. So they may just look at it from the street and say, oh, it's inaccessible to parking. We're citing you and opening an enforcement case. And that's not And helpful. now all of a
3: sudden you have to let them in.
1: Right. Basically, you've got to let them in to see that, oh, I actually wasn't committing a crime, but now they're in.
3: I And also, I've seen where they've um they've said that there was a a hot tub, an unpermitted hot tub when there was obviously nothing there, nothing.
1: Yeah, the drive by didn't really solve anything. It and didn't. it it's created other problems. and you know, again, i I go back to it's it's better in my opinion, to have nothing at all than to have a report that says everything's okay when you don't know if everything's okay or or worse you had a report that says there's a problem because a city staff person couldn't really see what was going on and just said there was a problem.
3: Right. And and that's not that's not good for buyers, it's not good for sellers. It just adds a lot more stress to an already stressful process. Yeah. So
1: the whole thing is a complete mess. Um it was well-intentioned originally, but it's it's grown into a complete mess and so after almost ten years of the association of realtors working with city staff to try to figure out some compromise or mutually acceptable solution to this, um, and the city really not budging on it, uh, we finally gave up and decided let's just go to the community itself and see what people think and see if they, you know, want to keep these things or not. And so uh, we established this initiative, the Homeowners Fairness Initiative. And well, I think
3: we got enough signatures. We did. I
1: actually just confirmed that today. Good. Um, we have. Thank over... you all
3: that signed the initiative. Yeah, thank we you. Appreciate we appreciate that. Two minutes.
1: We have over 110% of the signatures we need. So we have over 11,000 signatures. Um, which means that the uh, the city will just be spot checking to to guarantee signatures. However, we've also we've we've done and verified signatures on our own. And we have far more than the amount of verified signatures that we need as well.
3: I I took it to my class and I had uh, any of my students that were living in the city and and um, registered voters and willing. And all of them got up and signed it, which was great. Um, so Richard has given us that signal that it's time to take another little break. So we will be back with Jarrett Gorin from Vanguard Planning and Ruth Ann Bovey with Village Properties.
2: From the AM 1290 News Center, this is breaking news. According to the Santa Barbara Police Department, public affairs officer, there is an active shooter in the area of Turnpike and the 101. Highway 101 is shut down at uh northbound traffic and is being diverted to Hollister so we encourage you to stay away from that area we encourage you also to know that uh, San Marcus High School is in lockdown so again to repeat breaking news according to Santa Barbara according to the Santa Barbara Police Department there is an active shooter in the area of Turnpike and the 101 so stay off the 101 would be advisable we now return you to our regular programming in progress. Dry cleaning, you can count on.
3: One hour martinizing.
0: We clean. Three sport coats, jackets, or blazers clean for the price of two at one hour martinizing. At the Turnpike Center, San Roque Plaza near the post office. At Montecito's Coast Village Center. Look, Auntie Renee, someone wrote wash me on your car. I know. That's why our first stop is Educated Car Wash. I guess I waited a little too long in between washes. My mom and dad go to the Educated Car Wash. Dad likes the low gas prices, and mom says she feels better when her car's clean, cause my little sister always makes a big mess in it, but I never do. Very true, my dear. And when you add in fast friendly service, that makes Educated my favorite car wash. Mom says they're so fast, even my little sister doesn't have time to fuss, which she always does, but I never do. You are just too cute. Auntie Renee? Yes. After we go to your favorite car wash, will you take your favorite niece for some ice cream? How about gelato? Yeah.
1: 3735 State Street opens seven days a week. When
0: you leave Educated Car Wash looking shiny and bright, you'll start your day off right.
3: And we are back. This is Ruth Ann Bovey with Village Properties here with Jarrett Gorin from Vanguard Planning. Uh, just want to wrap up real quick on that zoning information report. So at this point, we have gotten enough signatures to get it on the ballot. It will be on the ballot. And we need all of you to get out there and vote yes. I don't, Do we know what the... Initiative is yet called the
1: Homeowners Fairness Initiative.
3: Homeowners Fairness Initiative. So, we need you to get out and vote yes for the Homeowners Fairness Initiative. And what else were we going to talk about today, Jarrett? I think uh,
1: something that came up recently is the uh, court ruling on the city's quote-unquote ban of short-term rentals mm-hmm, um, I remember. in the coastal zone. So there had been a lawsuit going forward for over a year. Theo um, Theokraki of Paradise Retreats was the plaintiff in it. And basically the the basis of the suit was that the city changed land use regulations in the coastal zone without getting the required approvals from the Coastal Commission to do that. And, in short, that's precisely what happened. The city tried to be very clever about it. Um, they said, "Well, we didn't really change anything uh, in the law." but what they did is they they started completely differently interpreting what was on the books. So basically, something that was completely legal for decades and decades that they sanctioned collected taxes on etc now without changing one word of text all of a sudden now it's illegal and they were enforcing against people and, and how
3: much were they collecting it was bed tax they were collecting right millions. It was millions of dollars poof gone gone and all of these people that had been renting out their house and now i know that there were a couple of properties that were problem properties i was at one once where they rented it to a group of young men coming into town and for a weekend. And um, it, they were here for a big sporting competition, which they won. They had a massive party until four o'clock in the morning in the outdoor pool. And the owner wasn't anywhere in town. So it wasn't easy to to reach him, to reach the, 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 the people renting. And So there are a few of those stories that were bad, but I think for the most case, a lot of people are fine. I mean, it makes it a little more affordable to be able to come visit Santa Barbara, and then they spend their money here. So I don't understand. Well, that's that's
1: the Coastal Commission's concern with short term rentals, and I'll call them STRs, so we can save time on this. Yeah. Um, The Coastal Commission really supports STRs because of that affordability factor that you're talking about. The Coastal Commission's, one of their big concerns is having affordable accommodations to coastal resources so that people can come out and visit. And somebody that has like a big family or pets or whatever usually prefers to stay in an STR because if you break it down, the per room rate on an STR is much lower than Absolutely. what it would cost to get the equal number of And then of the you returns. don't have
3: to go out for dinner every night. You can cook there. And, and that is the majority so of perks. who rents these
1: things. It's not big groups of fraternity guys or bachelorette parties Um, And for the most part, you know, there are there have been some people that have bought homes and just turned them into these as investments. But most of my clients and the people I've seen either uh, the biggest that the most frequent cases, it's a house that they live in most of the year but they're gone for three or four months a year traveling and so those three or four months they like to rent it out short term so you know the the flip side of the coin why why people say they don't like short-term rentals is that it eliminates a long-term housing unit and certainly i'm sure there are cases where it does that but in most of the cases i'm familiar with it would never have been a long-term housing unit because The people who own it live there most of the year. So it's only going to be available a few months a year. And if they can't use it as a short-term rental, it's just going to be vacant.
3: I have a client we just closed on a condo uh, on State Street. So it's not within the coastal zone, um, kind of Mission and State Street area. And uh, she's here. They bought it for her daughter, their daughter, who is in grad school, and it's a six-year program. So it makes sense, based on rental rates here, to actually buy something for six years. And um, they wanted to rent it out. They're, they're not going to do it short-term. They're going to do it 30 days at a time. But it would have been, since for the three or four months that she's not in town, it would make sense to do the short-term vacation rental. And that location is perfect for getting downtown or uptown or whatever.
1: So the the summary on this lawsuit is basically the court determined, I think correctly, that what the city did is they changed land use regulations in the coastal zone without getting any sort of coastal commission review. And the court ordered the city to comply with the way it previously interpreted its regulations and said that the city must allow people to operate short-term rentals in the coastal zone. And, of course, the city is violating that order. Um, as recently as April 19th, um, I, I reviewed a letter from uh, the plaintiff's attorney to the city saying you're in violation of this order. S- city staff, as of today, are still telling people you're not allowed to do it, you need all these permits, etc. So the city continues to um, ignore the court, uh, ignore the Coastal Commission. You know, one might ask, why did the city just not you know, adopt an ordinance to address short-term rentals. And And let the people decide. Sure. my, My theory is that the city knew that the ordinance it wants to adopt, which is to ban them, would never be approved by the Coastal Commission because the Coastal Commission wants them. So the city was too clever by half and said, well, let's just try to figure out a way to do this without changing the law. And that was sort of their defense in this case. It was, well, we didn't really change it. We did it by just changing how we interpreted it. And the court said that, that you changed it, guys. You know, the way you changed it isn't what matters. It's that you changed it at all. And doing that requires Coastal Commission approval, and you didn't get it. So you violated the Coastal Act. Um, you got to let people do this. And I think there's also, I can't quote the number, but I think there's some pretty hefty fines against the city for violating the Coastal Act.
3: Oh, interesting. Um, so, of course, bigger than the fines that they're putting on the people that are doing the The, the number I just...
1: saw is a lot bigger. Okay. So, you know, I, behavior is consequences. Let's see what happens. Um, I fully expect the city will appeal this. Uh, I don't want anybody to take what I'm saying here and say, oh, yeah, it's safe. I can operate a short-term rental right now. Definitely not what that means. I would assume the status quo. So don't operate short-term rentals until this is fully resolved.
3: And do you think that if this goes through and they start allowing them in the coastal zone, do you think that there's any way that the rest of town can get it approved?
1: Well, that's a really good question. Uh, It depends on whether the city is more interested in being stubborn with their previous position or whether they want to do good planning. Um, Good planning is you want to have the same regulations everywhere in your city, not completely different ones in one part than the other part. So if I was running the city, I would want them consistent.
3: I think that's a great idea. You running the city. (laughs) <laughs> Come on, I had to put that bug in your ear. Seriously. Well, not that you have time, but I think you'd be great at that. I I like working for private property owners. <clears throat> understood, understood. Okay. So we've got 1 minute. We're giving given that 1 minute signal. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsor American Riviera Bank. Thank Guy Rivera with Guaranteed Mortgage for allowing us to come in here and cover for him. Guy, I hope you're having a great time out there with all your cowboys. Give them a hug for me. And we will be back momentarily.
2: With breaking news from the AM 1290 News Center, I'm Richard Dugan. As a reminder, we mentioned in the last break that there is an active shooter in the area of Turnpike and the 101. San Marcos High School was placed on lockdown this afternoon due to heavy law enforcement activity in the area due to an active shooter and a high-risk search warrant. Law enforcement responded to an apartment complex in Goleta where the shots were fired. Highway 101 has been diverted to Hollister and Highway 217 has has also been diverted from UCSB uh, down to Hollister Avenue. No officers have been injured so, thus far in the situation and we encourage you to stay away from the area of uh, uh, the uh, one, 101 and Turnpike. With this breaking news, I'm Richard Dugan from the AM 1290 News Center.
3: alone, bank on us. Call me and schedule your free business consultation today, 805-979-3846. Hello and aloha from Chuck's Waterfront Grill and the Endless Summer Bar Cafe. Now through the month of May, you have an opportunity to get in on a great deal.
2: We're doing something new at Chuck's Waterfront Grill. It's called Sunset Dinners.
3: Katie Swanson, the manager, is proud of the dining on the heated deck as we head into summer.
2: At Chuck's Waterfront Grill, everyone's having a party. The
1: best view, the best service, and now the best prices in town at Chuck's
3: Waterfront Grill.
2: Seven nights a week, you can get a great deal on your dinner from 5 to 6.30. Hawaiian chicken, grilled salmon, prime top sirloin steak, and rockfish piccata.
3: Chuck's Waterfront Grill has been 20 years in Santa Barbara. And now, all through the month of May, you've got the best reason ever to visit.
2: This time of the year, 5 to 6.30 is the best time to be down here by the boats.
3: For the month of May, 5 to 6.30, enjoy sunset dinners seven nights a week. Chuck's Waterfront Grill, 113 Harbor Way in Santa Barbara. back. This is Ann Bovey with Village Properties, and I'm here with Jarrett Gorin from Vanguard Planning. We're going to shift gears now and switch to a topic that has always been close to my heart. I, um, If you go to my website, www.sellingsb, you can find out a lot about auxiliary dwelling units, accessory Accessory dwelling dwelling units, units, which different people call them different things, but whatever you call it, it is basically a granny unit with a kitchen and a bathroom that is permitted, right? So you want to give a little bit of background on the yeah. ADUs? So we
1: we call them ADUs for short. We have acronyms for everything, and as
3: opposed to AUD. There's a lot the of the AUD is
1: a totally different program in the city. The ADU is a statewide program which cities and counties have to implement, and it started way back decades ago to try to have granny units. Uh, Most local jurisdictions, certainly ours here, the city and county, uh, did everything they could for decades to put obstacles in the way of being able to produce these granny units, and the state finally became fed up with it in 2016 and passed a sweeping overhaul to the law, which went into effect in January of 2017, which is the accessory dwelling unit law as we know it today. And they basically superseded all of the local regulations. They said, look, we're just, you guys aren't allowing this. You're not producing these. We need housing. So your rules no longer exist, and you will use our rules from the state. Now, the state did say that they can come up with local ADU ordinances that comply with the state law and you don't have to, you could just use the state requirements. But um, of course our city and County decided that, well, they'd come up with their own and they were pretty creative up front. The city initially came up with an ordinance that just directly violated the state law in like five or six different ways. They paid a consultant about $120,000 to do that, by the way came up with something that virtually none of remained in the final ordinance that was originally adop- finally adopted.
3: Isn't that funny how they do that?
1: Um well, they have different budget concerns, I guess, and constraints than I do. <laughs> so, um they the the Santa Barbara chapter of American Institute of Architects and some local planners like myself, Suzanne Elledge also participated a lot. um, We really ended up getting a good ordinance in place. So the city has adopted its own local accessory dwelling unit ordinance that's effective now. Um, And
3: Now you say it's effective. Is it effective? Effective and effective. So it's in effect now, but is it also effective? Yeah,
1: I would say both. Okay, it is good. in effect and it's a it's a pretty good ordinance. Good. Um, I don't really have any major issues with any part of it other than the owner occupancy requirement in single family zones, which I think is silly because it's unenforceable. Um, But other than that, I think it's a pretty good ordinance. It spells things out in detail. Um, The, you know, people might ask, well, why, why, what's the benefit of having a local ordinance if the state one was enough? Like, isn't that just more regulation? And the way the state allowed local jurisdictions to come up with these, they really prohibited them from coming up with regulations that would impede production of accessory dwelling units. So, The city's ordinance sort of clarifies things more. And where I think it's helped the most is that I don't have to argue with the city staff about what the requirements are. I mean, I shouldn't have had to argue about that before, right? The law is the law, and I could show it to them. thank God
3: you did, because people needed you to there and stand up for them it was ridiculous what was going on we
1: still have to argue believe me but um it's a lot easier because now we can say well look at your own ordinance look at what your ordinance says here and they're much more comfortable with looking at a city of santa barbara thing than a state thing and so it cut out a lot of arguments same with the county the county's adopted its own local adu ordinance which is also a pretty good ordinance um The county's still got some major obstacles to the production of ADUs. So the biggest one being development impact fees. They charge about $15,000 in the Goleta area, for example, which is sort of a non-starter then for most people that would want to do ADUs. And then they've done a really clever thing trying to keep people from being able to provide the parking, um, which is totally a violation of state law. But the state's aware of it, and, and we'll see what happens as that plays out.
3: So they may come back and make some more changes to the state laws to, to I, overcome some of these I things.
1: believe that the the state... Housing Community <laughs> Development Department is going to um, advise the county that they need to change their local law. Mm-hmm. All, and then the city of Goleta is adopting $25,000 in development fees for accessory dwelling units. That so just
3: doesn't sound fair. It, it
1: doesn't sound like these I mean, people it really want to do that. It cost you housing. want to build a new house. Yeah, a new house is about $35,000. Right. So they're still trying to impede housing. Crazy.
3: So I am being given the one-minute signal, and I believe this is the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining me, Jared. It's yeah, been fun having, having you. This is Ruth Ann Bovee with Village Properties here with Jared Gorn from Vanguard Planning. In place of Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage industry with Guaranteed Mortgage. Thanks so much, and have a fantastic week.
1: It's three.